0: Hello and welcome back to the Church of Jesus Christ Study Session with Come Follow Me. I'm your host Matthew Roberts and this is Series 2, Episode 154 of this podcast. So grateful that you can join with us today as we now begin our study of the Come Follow Me materials for this week. We are into June, June the 1st to June the 7th, uh, as we are reaching the halfway point of this certainly historic and memorable year. We seem to be saying that word very often recently, particularly in the church. Uh, and as such, it is fitting that we are looking at this pretty historic couple of few chapters in, in the Book of Mormon. The uh, sermons of Alma chapter 5 in particular, and also Alma chapter 7, are of, you know, important, um, pivotal moments uh, in the church. This very early church that had been set up by Alma's father, Alma the Elder. And, uh, you know, it is only three chapters we're looking at this week, but I really think we're going to struggle to get through all the content in the six episodes we have planned. So stick with us uh, and uh, it would be interesting to hear what you've been studying about it as well. First of all, with Alma chapter five, I want to consider the fact that we have 42 question marks. I uh, hit the search button on the Gospel Library app and it turns out there are 42 question marks in this chapter. Uh, and later we'll find that there are some 50 questions uh, and so it's a very uh, unique uh, passage of scripture. I love how President M. Russell Ballard's quote is mentioned in the manual. It says, quote, I need to regularly take time to ask myself, how am I doing? It's kind of like a personal private interview with yourself. As a guide for me during this private personal in- preview, review, I like to read and ponder the introspective words found in the fifth chapter of Alma, close quote. And if, you know, an apostle of the Lord needs the if has the feeling that he needs to uh, regularly uh, take stock and see where he's at and use this chapter as a way of doing so, then I think that it's something we can all try and do. Uh, because, you know, I don't think we'll all be able to answer completely in the, in the affirmative on the 40 to 50 odd questions that there are in there. In there. Um, let's think about context. Uh, Alma begins with stating his authority that he is has been consecrated the high priest by his father, who obviously had his uh, authority previously. Uh, and he also reminds the people that he's teaching in Zarahemla about Alma's Alma, Alma the Seniors' people, how they were uh, redeemed and saved from their captivity. Uh, and also the people of King Noah, how they were delivered. Now, what I want to consider is why is Alma starting in Zarahemla? Uh, it was put nicely um, by uh, the Book of Mormon Central uh, podcast, Come Follow Me weekly podcast, which, they, well, they do it on a YouTube video, but it's also found on podcast form, that start Alma decided to start with the heart. It wasn't just a simply convenience mission, um, as we'll find out later, because um, there was nothing convenient about what Alma set out to do, but he, he wanted to start with the heart, the center of the people in the land. As Zarahemla we find later in ge- geographical comments, that is in the center of the land of the Nephites. Uh, and so he begins there. In our chapter five, verse 14, we're going to kick into here. Uh, and it says, and now behold, I ask of you, my brethren of the church, have ye spiritually been born of God? Have ye received his image in your countenances? Have you experienced this mighty change in your hearts? Three very powerful questions there. Uh, and ones which we would really do well to consider for ourselves. Um, we need to have this image of God in our countenances. We need to really spiritually connect with what we are doing in the gospel. Uh, because it is through that um, blessing that we, or through the gospel, that we receive the great blessings uh, available to us. Elder David Abednar spoke about this really well when he explained that this change can, can only come or can't come, as we, quote, merely by performing and checking off all the spiritual things we are supposed to do. Rather, the power of the Saviour's gospel to transform and bless us flows from the discerning and applying the interrelatedness of its doctrine, principles, and practices, close quote. We need to understand the the principles, the divine uh, reasons why we are doing these things, rather than just doing the actions, because it is then that uh, we are able to truly uh, have that change, that spiritual change within us. Um, there's a no Why by Book of Mormon Central, number 112, which talks about why did Alma ask church members 50 questions? Uh, and as mentioned, you know, there are a lot of questions here. Um, they say, quote, Alma's obje- objective with this speech was apparently to renew the covenant that was established not only by his father Alma at the waters of Mormon, but also by King Benjamin at the great Nephite gathering that he convened in Zarahemla. For example, some of the repeated words or ideas in Alma's and Benjamin's speeches include experiencing a mighty change of heart and being spiritually born of God. Close quote. So there is a clear need here by Alma to awaken the people in Zarahemla to what they should be doing, the, um, the practices they should be doing, the practices they should be engaging in, and the way that these practices should be shaping their hearts and changing their hearts clearly these people in our hamlet had fallen into a, a sense of doing the right things but doing them through through motions rather than the real um, subtle change that should happen in their hearts over time um which uh, which obviously uh, is something we should all seek to do In our chapter five, verse 15, it says, Do ye exercise faith in the redemption of him who created you? Do you look forward with an eye of faith and view this mortal body raised in immortality and this corruption based in incorruption to stand before God to be judged according to the deeds which have been done in the mortal body? First of all, I love the phrase the eye of faith. Uh, When I was serving as an elder score and president uh, a number of years ago, um, there was a real feeling in my heart that I needed to focus on this eye of faith and try and get the brethren to see with that, with an eye of faith, what could be accomplished in their lives. Uh, and there was great, um, you know, joy with that, That you know, this eye of faith is an opportunity for us to see what we truly can become. If we don't have this eye of faith, then we are literally just going through step-by-step day-by-day motions, uh, and not having our hearts changed. Um, Andrew C Skinner said this, an image is not just an outward visual impression, but also a vivid representation, a graphic display or a total likeness of something. It is a person or thing very much like another, a copy or counterpart. Likewise, countenance does not simply mean a facial expression or visual appearance. The word comes from an old French term originally denoting behaviour, demeanour or conduct. In earlier times, the word countenance was used with these meanings in mind. Close quotes. So you can see here that uh, Alma is trying to get these people with terms very you know sim- similar to how they would be used at this time uh, to have this image, to have this complete likeness um, to, to God. And is he saying that they should be perfect? Well, no. I mean, obviously, we know that this is not going to happen. But the, this, the fact that we want to seek for a, a change in our hearts is something we can we can all strive for. Uh, in verse 19, it says, I say unto you, can you look up to God at that day with a pure heart and clean hands? I say unto you, can you look up having the image of God engraven upon your countenances? Um, Is an interesting uh, uh, insight when you consider the context of the time. Uh, and again, another book of Mormon Central, Know Why, number 295. Why did Alma ask about having God's image engraven upon our countenances? Um it's clear here that he is trying to have this covenant renewal ceremony, um, perhaps with the autumn New Year's festival season, that he asks these questions. And then he asks about this image. Now, um, Brant Gardner and a couple of other uh, scholars looked into this and explained why this might have some more um, insight than we might first think. It's not just simply a case of, you know, trying to be like our our Heavenly Father. But there's also um, a parallel that Alma is drawing here with some, uh, rituals at this time in Mesoamer- Mesoamerica uh, Cecilia Klein for example said quote the right to impersonate a deity was not available to everyone the costumes were signs of rank office privilege and and the right to riches close quote if you kind of imagine or you know have an image of Mesoamerican art and uh, culture there is obviously these great gods, and the people at the time would wear masks to impersonate these gods. And often it wasn't anyone that could impersonate these gods with these masks, but the, the rich, the uh, the privileged. Um, and then uh, the Noai continues, quote, the masks worn by deity impersonators were themselves believed to be intelligent objects in their own right, embodying the cognitive essence and powers of the divine being they represent. Close quote. Doesn't this make even more sense that Alma is talking about an image and a countenance being taken upon ourselves, but instead of it being a, a graven image of a of some sort of god that they believe to have supernatural powers, instead he's talking about a countenance of their of the one True God, the god that has they've made this covenant with, and that they are able to um, connect with as they go about and try and seek to fulfill these covenants they've made. Uh, again, you know, just gives another insight into why this book. Uh, is is an ancient record, dating from the from the American times. Finally, in Alma chapter five, verse twenty one, there is talk about garments being washed white. Um, we know that it's you know a, a very well known uh, symbolism or analogy that they use. Joseph Fielding McConkie and Robert L. Millett wrote, "Quote: No principle was better understood among the ancient saints than that than that no unclean thing could enter the presence of the Lord." Thus, the imagery common to the scriptures is to depict the saints of God as living righteous lives, as wearing robes of righteousness or garments of salvation. This imagery is closely associated with the temple, which is the earthly representation of the divine presence or our sought after heavenly abode. In the temple, we are taught primarily with symbolic representation how we return to the presence of God. And again, within the Book of Mormon, we then see that there is another reference to the temple of garments being made white cleansed from from the blood of whom it's been spoken by their fathers who would redeem his people through from their sins and you know we have literally done about well barely 10 verses there or a space of 10 verses, and we're well over 10 minutes. So you can see that this is going to be a very rich and very insightful uh, study that we're going to have this week. So please stick with us as we go through the next days. We'll pause there today to keep it as bite-sized as we can, as this is the purpose of this podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. Please share, sh- share, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Um, you can email me at ldsstudysession at gmail.com. And I've had some wonderful uh, emails recently uh, giving me some more insights into some of the things we've been studying. And I really appreciate those. Uh, Please, of course, you can join us on the Facebook group, Church of Jesus Christ Study Session with Come Follow Me. And I'd love to uh, be able to study with you sometime. So please let me know through those platforms if you wish. Thank you for listening. And until we meet again.